praise God. Thank you, Ruth. That's powerful. I'm like, I'm so blessed. I uh, Well, good morning. First of all, Mountain Chapel, yay God. God is good. God is among us. Oh, it's a good day to be alive, huh? I don't know about you, but I am constantly really overcome by this simple reality that life is a gift. You ever just you ever just realize that? And in this world, it's so easy to think about what you don't have or what's not worked out, what you want. Really, the fact is, every single day when you wake up, that's a gift. Ah, and it makes me so thankful that we get to get up, that we get to know God, and uh, man, He's got plans. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much, Rich. You got, you know what? Let's hold on. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks, man. Love you. Um, well, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your presence. We do thank you that, um, that God, we thank you that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. God, we thank you that uh, there's no such thing in your kingdom as just words. <laughs> uh, the world says that's just a bunch of words, but to God, word is power. And God, we proclaim today not my word, not the word of somebody else, but your word. And I thank you for your word, God. <laughs> and Lord, I thank you for the anointing to release your word. I thank you, God, that there is a such thing as a spirit of wisdom and revelation whoa, that is released, that is on this body, that is in this house today. There's a tangible anointing here. We, we recognize your presence, Lord. We know you're not goosebumps, you're God. But we're glad that we can sense you. And so, Father, we just thank you for your power to heal, to deliver, to save, to set us free from cycles of thinking, to take us from glory to glory, that we would know you in a deeper way, and that we get to do that together. And we give you all the praise, all the glory. We point to you. God, anytime somebody says, that's amazing, we say, thank you. But then we go, God, it's thank you. Thank you, God. You get the glory. And so we honor you for what you're doing in our lives amongst us, in our community, and what's in your heart, God, what is ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I was, uh, it's funny how, what things trigger uh, memories, you know. I have these little, my wife has these essential oils, and um, I love this eucalyptus one, and it's just like refreshing, you know. And so, and, um, but I looked at that vial today, and I was reminded of a story how many ever heard of Peter Cartwright? Some people tell jokes before they preach, and I just tell revival stories usually. So, like, <laughs> you never heard of Peter Cartwright? Phil, you would love Peter Cartwright. Oh, you know, of course you know who he is. And uh, uh, Peter Cartwright was um, a revivalist, as we call them, a man that God used, or a man or a woman that God uses to bring revival and awakening and outpouring of the Spirit. Peter Cartwright was um, in, the, in the cowboy days of America. And, um, and so it was a little bit uh, earlier than some revivals read about, and obviously later than some, but he was a cowboy. He rode a horse, and um, he'd ride his horse to preach the gospel, and he would do, like, tent revivals, and many people would come to the Lord. 
funny story. I guess this is a, a revival story and a bit of a funny one at that. But um, there was a strange phenomenon that, that would happen in his meetings, and it was God. And um, how many know God's out of our box? Right? I like what David Hogan always said. He said, I'm not, a, I'm not out of my mind. I'm out of your mind. <laughs> and I feel like that's God, you know. Like he's, God's in his mind, but sometimes he's out of our mind. And, and, and we, and we, yeah, amen, just drink. And, um, and so one of the things that would happen was it was called, this what they called it, you've got to call it something, right, if you're going to tell a story, they called it the jerks. And when he would pray, when he would preach, the presence of God would come into a meeting in such a way, and this is strange and out of the box for some, but this happened, that people who didn't know God would come under the power of God and begin to physically jerk. And it was, they couldn't stop it, no matter how hard they tried. And the more they tried to stop it, the more intense it would be. And it would be God coming upon a person to call them to himself. And, and it would happen until they would surrender to God. And the minute they surrendered and became born again, they said, Jesus, I'll follow you, the, jerk, the jerking stopped crazy stuff. And, uh, and, and so, how many know God never overrides his, our will, but he can sure make it easier to surrender than to fight him? You know, Paul found that out, right? Holy Spirit's a gentleman, the way he knocked Paul right off his horse, blinded him for a few days. But, but by the grace of God, he loved him and saved him. Anyway, so this guy who was an opposer of this revival, he got really mad about the things God was doing. And, um, and so, uh, you know, Jesus said, blessed are they who are not offended because of me. You know what I'm saying? We're offended. Anyway, just want to ask ourselves that. What am I offended about? And, um, and so he, uh, he approached the preacher. Actually, he rallied some guys up, and it was bad. They come to harm him, and they were going to horse with him. And, um, and, uh, and so... The guy came up, and they got scared as they watched the meeting. They actually got scared about harming Peter Cartwright. And the guy came up, and he goes, he goes, I saw what you did to those guys. You, you put that, used that potion on them and made them, made them jerk. And he's like thinking, what's he talking about? And then he realized that before he preached, he pulled out a little vial of stuff for his throat because he had a little bit of a raspy throat. It was probably just like peppermint or whatever it was to soothe the throat, you know. And, um, but the guy thought that when he used that, in his mind, he went, that was like a potion, that, like some kind of magic he's using on people. And so Peter Cartwright, being wise as a serpent in that moment, and, you know, wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove, he goes, he, he puts two and two together. He thinks, these guys are here to horse whip me. They think I got a potion. And he goes, and that's right, you better leave too or I'm going to do it to you. And he pulled it out and they all took off. <laughs> I don't recommend that approach, but I guess it worked for him that day. That's so funny, huh? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Well, um, we're going to be turning to Psalm 24 today. We're talking about worship and the fact that we are worshipers. Amen. How many, how many know we're worshipers? Amen. You know what? Why don't you just make a declaration over somebody next to you? Just speak a powerful word to them and say, you are a worshiper. Come on. <laughs> uh, why don't you just do it again and look at him and say, 
I am a worshiper. Yeah. How about this? It's not just something I do. It's who I am. Come on. Yeah, it's a good word. Presence night tonight, 6.30. Come on out. We have been. It's our, we had our third one last week. This will be our fourth one running. And I agree with Ruth. It's just been getting more enjoyable week by week. We've got a great turnout. People are hungry. When they, oh, it's just so good. And uh, what a, like, you know, what a freedom that really broke out. I felt like such a, a, another level of freedom, just a unique freedom just broke out in the room where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty, freedom, you know. So come, presence night. Amen. Let's just enjoy God together. Well, here we're going to read Psalm 24. And uh, starting with verse 3. We're just going to read three verses. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? <laughs> who has, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood or to an idol, depending on what version you're reading today. Say this with me. Souls are for lifting. (laughs) Souls are for lifting. And has not sworn deceitfully. Verse 5. He will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Oh, I just like verse 6 too. This is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Some of your... Bibles, as mine does actually, says, who seek your face, even Jacob. But when you study it, actually, um, a better translation would be, O God of Jacob. It's interesting wording. It never made sense to me. Even Jacob? Wow, even Jacob's going to seek your face, Lord? Anyway, or another way to say it, another valid translation, as the scholars would say, is that uh, who seek your face as Jacob did. And, and really, if you think about it, O oh God of Jacob would be honoring Jacob as one who followed God. But the point is, a generation who seeks God. Psalm 53 says um, that, that God looks down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. Powerful. You know, when we talk about seeking God, we're not talking about like, I don't know where God is. I can't find God. It's simply that we set our gaze on Him and and make every intention to look upon Him, to see what it is He's saying, to hear uh, to to hear what He's saying, to see what He's doing, so that we may honor Him and follow Him in those things. It's worship. We're created for worship. We are worshipers. Let's just. Uh, Lay a little foundation here. We're worshipers. You know, the truth is that we will worship something or someone. You know, like I've met, have you ever met somebody who's like, and don't, you know, if you're a big sports fan in here, I'm not picking on you. I'm just using it as an example. I met a couple at a, at a um, gas station once. And literally, like, the, I, one look at them and their car... And I knew what the most important thing about their life was. It was like, 
the Boise Broncos or whatever it was. Like it was, it, it was. I don't know what it was. I think that's what it was. But it was a sports team, and and uh, and the first thing that you knew about them was they loved this sports team. I mean, I think they were wearing clothing. They had it on their license plate. They had stickers. They had the colors. I mean, it was like, this is my message, you know. And, uh, and I'm just telling you that we are created in this way. We are born fixators. Like, we, we are going to fixate and, and lift our soul to something. And the reason that we are made that way is because we are actually created for relationship with God. We're created. You're actually, you're like, I don't know if I'm a very good worshiper. And I'm like, you're not very good at not worshiping God. Like, like you, you are created to worship. You ever watch somebody at like a football game? It's like 35 degrees outside, shirts off, painted blue or something. Woo! That's some radical worship. That is some unhindered, boisterous praise. And, you know, and so, you know, sometimes we're like, I'm just not that passionate. Did you see that Lamborghini? Like, that sounded like passion. We're all actually passionate people. And, and the fact is, is that souls are for lifting. You have a soul. And we all are going to lift that soul to something or somebody. Here's a good word. You're actually perfectly, perfectly created to respond to God. That you, you are made in God's image for the purpose of housing Him, for one. Is this powerful? You know where worship happens? In a temple. <laughs> You're so designed for worship. Do you realize the Bible says that don't you know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God lives inside of you? Man, we're, I don't have to go far to worship. As long as I wake up in my body, I'm in the temple. And the amazing thing is, on a side note, is that when we come together in a corporate gathering, it's actually like many stones, the Bible says, that are built up into a holy habitation for God and the Spirit. In other words, when I live my life enjoying God day by day, worship, I'm a living stone. I'm also a temple. And we come together, and you've been doing the same thing all week. You know what happens? An explosion. Like if I've got a river here and you've got a river in your belly, when they all join together, you've got a pretty big river. Just hike around. You'll see that. All true worship is actually a response to God. We're just getting some bullet points, laying a foundation here. And I really want to get into something here. But all worship is actually a response to God. Now, when worship feels like striving, like I'm trying to work hard at something, there's a lot of things, there's a few things that can create that feeling inside. The good news is, all of them come from a lie. <laughs> and the best, you guys know what the best part of a lie is? 
It's not true. This is, a, this is what I love about lies. They're not true. I'm just, the, the enemy's been lying to me. Great news. It's not true. <laughs> oh, okay. How do you fix a lie? Don't listen to it. <laughs> oh, praise him. All right. You know, everything we bring him, he, you ever think about this? Everything we, all worship is a response because everything you bring to God, he created in the first place. Ultimately, he just wants you. That's the worship he's after. But he created you. Like, I don't know what I can do for God. I don't know what I have to offer God. Offer yourself. That's what he wants. But God, I can't do a lot of things. I'm not, I want you. It's mind-boggling. But I'm thankful. As created worshipers, we're given a soul. Okay? What are we? We're spirit beings. Right? Jesus said, Jesus said there was a time coming when His people would worship God in spirit and in truth. Right? And so, but, but what we worship in spirit with, essentially, have you ever thought of it this way? is with our soul. We're going to get more into that. So, I'm a spirit. I live in this temple. And I have a soul. And that soul is made for lifting up. What I do with my soul determines my worship. Here's another powerful point that the place of my worship, in other words, my focus, actually will determine my feast. And how many know you are what you eat? You are what you eat. You know, you eat junk food, you feel like you ate junk food. Especially when you're not like 16 anymore. Anyway. <laughs> Bacon fries. Those were good. Yeah, those were really good. All right. <laughs> I need some more of those. Uh, <laughs> so good, Bill. Um, souls are for lifting. Um, so in other words, say, with your soul, you, it's what you lift your soul to or what you aim it at. Now, what is a soul? We're going to get into that. I love this, that, you know, sometimes we fall for the lie that um, we cannot choose, right? That we're, we're stuck. That I, can't, I don't know, I'm feeling bad. My, my, whatever, my thoughts are here. This thing is on my mind. I love what David said. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. See, it's powerful. You know, as a free, uh, Charles Finney called it being a free moral agent. As a created being with free will, Right? The thing is, is that before you were born again, you were bound so that you could not do right. You could not please God even if you wanted to. When, when Jesus broke the chains, now you've got, your, you've got your keys back. You've got your authority back. Which means I now get to, I'm free to worship. Powerful. Not free to sin. That's bondage. That you are free to go back into bondage if you want to. But 
not fun. Free to worship. Free for myself. David was directing his soul to God in worship rather than being pulled down by fear and earthly focus. David had a lot going on around him. He had reason. He had good reason to feel downcast. Right? Another time he said, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? David was talking to his soul all the time and directing it towards God. Hey, why are you so bummed out? Put your hope in God. Isn't that good? You just got to fly above the clouds sometimes. That first step can be tough, but once you take flight, keep going. Let's read the scripture again. He who may ascend the hill of the Lord, he who, he who, uh, and who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood. Now, I used to read this verse and, and think like, gosh, it, you can read this in a way that almost sounds like there's a bit of striving or right, like self-righteousness involved. In other words, if you want to come and come to God, clean your hands first. Make your heart pure. Then you get to come up. Right? It's easy to read this verse this way. That's not what the verse is saying. What it's actually saying is your hands, your outer man. And it's important to be clean hands and pure heart. Don't get me wrong. But how do we get that way? Christ's blood. There's no striving. There's no like working yourself up, shaping yourself up to come to the presence of God. That's all been paid for. But really, uh, the po- uh, a point here to be made is that clean hands represent your works, what you do. Your, your, your outer man, your, your body, your life, your works. The heart is the inner. And coming up the mountain of the Lord, is, and all of that is aimed towards God. And then we can come into His holy place. And we can live there. And, and we know that it's not earning self-righteousness because what does it say in verse 5? Once you're there, he says, once you do that, then you will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. So if clean hands and a pure heart was make yourself righteous before you come, then why do you need to receive it when you're there? Yeah, righteousness is a gift. Any righteousness that I have apart from God is self-righteousness, which isn't righteous at all. So that, I don't know, that's encouraging to me because that means I can rest. All right, what's a soul? You have a soul. This is, the, this is what I really want to get into. You have a soul. Do you realize that a lot of the aspects of who we are created to be in our inner person, the things, you know, you know, if you have uh, struggles in your life, you realize most of it happens inside. It's not the circumstances always on the, it's, usually it's not the circumstances on the outside, it's what's happening in here that determines whether I'm thriving or not. And I've seen people in tough situations that are just flying. And I've also seen people where I can't really find one and let's say I found one of them in the mirror before that that you that you really can't find one real pressing problem. Now maybe there are things in life that aren't 
exactly the way you want them to be. Maybe this person that you love isn't where you would love for them to be. Maybe there's a financial situation that is unmet. But when you really look, you go, there's really no reason why you would be depressed or downcast. So how many know circumstances really don't dictate our inner world? What dictates that is really this, where I aim my soul. What is the soul? The word, the word in the Hebrew here is nefesh. It's a powerful word. It means soul, self, life. It can, be, it can speak of a creature, a person. But here's where we start getting deeper. Appetite. Your desires. Things you want. Things you crave. Your mind. You're a living being. Emotions. Passion. This all is in the soul. That which breathes, the breathing substance or being, soul, the inner, the inner being of a man. The man himself, self, person, or an individual. Here you go. Seat of the appetites. In your soul, your soul is actually the seat of all your desires, your passions, your wants, your cravings, whether good or evil. Right? Here you go. This one. I like this one. Activity of the mind. Activity of the mind. It's your will. Ooh. Think about that. Your will. How many know Jesus prayed? He said, Not my will, but yours be done. Now this revelation really has really changed my life. And and it, as far as my intimacy with the Lord, because when I began to realize at a deeper level that the worship that God desires is a true worship, an authentic worship, a worship that I bring to Him, and it has nothing to do really with my current state, what's happening in my life, even if I have done a good or a bad job and by my own reasonings, you know, how many know we evaluate ourselves? How many know that that's not very fruitful because we'll never, we're never going to stand before our throne anyway? Do you know you can be unaware of something that God wants to do in your life and you can be sure that He wants to change something that He's not even focused on? That's called condemnation. Well, this isn't good enough and that's not good enough. And the Lord's like, I love you. You're doing fine in those areas. So in other words, I, that's, that condemnation will keep you out of this place of enjoying God, which is worship. Now worship, we often think of worship as our song, like our time of singing in church, right? And that is worship. Lifting up a song to God, it's worship. And God created music, and God loves our corporate worship. And how many know just when we come in, have you noticed that it's tradition, but we do it on purpose. We start with worship. You know, worship is the part of the service that we really just get to come in and give to God. Because He's already given to us. So we come in to worship. We start with worship. 
And so sometimes we come in and go, well, like I've been here, you know what, I'm just going to like kind of just sit and enjoy and not enjoy, but kind of be filled up. But you know what I found is that when I, when I say, when I take my soul and my inner focus and I say, the week has been, maybe this has been in my mind, maybe this thing is weighing on me, and then I go, that isn't God. That isn't my God, though. Those are circumstances. And, and so I take my mind and I set it on Him. I push out all distractions. I come in I go, well, I don't feel like worshiping today. Well, I don't have to feel like it to do it. And you know, the enemy will come and say, you're being fake right now. You're being phony because you don't even feel like it. And I would answer back and say, that's what makes it authentic, you liar, is that I do it whether I feel like it or not, because my feelings are not why I worship. I worship God because He is worthy. I'm not a feeler, I'm a believer. I have feelings. I think feelings are important. As a matter of fact, I'm a huge performer. I believe our, our passions and our feelings are actually a huge part of our expression to God. I don't think you can have full love without a full expression. And so on a side note, I just want to say, I, I do believe, whether it's your, in your marriage, in your friendship, I would say, you know, like, like uh, love and affection that is unexpressed is often unfelt by the person. You know, well, God knows I love him. Yeah, but he loves it when you tell him. Just like everybody else, right? You know, it's like, my wife knows I love her. So, you know, I don't have to tell her. She knows. She likes to hear it. And so do I. Jesus prayed about the will. Jesus had a soul. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Right? And he said another I only do what I see the Father doing. In other words, just a point to show you that, like, even for Jesus, what worship to the Father looked like was that he, he, he was doing the will of God. Not only that, but he was taking his will and saying, your will is my will. You follow me? This is worship. So there's the will. We can aim. It's amazing. You're like, but I don't... You ever think about this? But I don't want to do that. Did you know that you can choose what you want? Did you know that? Did you know that you can decide to want something else? That's more powerful than maybe you realize. So often we are stuck to a want and not realizing... Well, you know what? The Lord asked me this, but I don't want... Did you know that in one second, you can say, that's what you want? That is what I want. That is now my want. I had a will a second ago, but I've sacrificed it. And actually, your will is my will. What you want, no, not... Not, not even... At that point, it's not even sacrificial anymore. It's like... Oh, like I've learned this even serving people. Because what, and you know, even when you serve people, whether it was my bosses or 
any boss I've ever had, whether it was in the ministry or in the real world, in my life with God, I always thought, whatever I do, I do unto God. That's worship. And so if my boss asks me to do something and I have a different opinion, and he goes, great, I've heard your point. This is what I want you to do. There is such a powerful thing that you can do with your heart where you say, my heart, not only to begrudgingly do what my boss is at, but I'm going to take everything inside and say, it is my joy to serve you. And I attach all my passion to it, my desire, and now my will is lining up with the will of the one that I serve and go, this is what we're doing. Now it can actually help lead the charge. This is what we're doing. It's powerful. It's worship. It's worship. When, when we, we live this way unto God, it is worship. It's powerful. I just think, you know what, we miss out on the joy because we don't realize how, what God counts as worship often. You know, the voice of the accuser always wants to tell us what we're doing wrong. And I, I think when we love the Lord, I think someday we're going to stand before Jesus. And I actually believe this. I think he's going to give us credit for things that we didn't expect. He's going to thank us for things that we thought were insignificant, unimportant, and that he didn't even notice. Obviously, God notices everything. We know that theologically. But I'm saying the way we live, we do things, and we think that doesn't count. But Jesus is going to say, hey, you stopped and talked to that guy in the corner. You felt my heart for him. Thank you. You gave that one a glass of water. Thank you. You did that. To me. All right. How about your desires? Did you know that it's kind of the same thing, but desires, I think desires are getting a little closer to passion. Did you know that you can aim your passion? Do you know that this is the thing about being bound before you're a new creation, is that your, 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 your appetites run your life. You've got addictions and cravings and habits and cycles that you can't break. Right? And Jesus comes and he breaks the chain. And he says, you're free to worship now. It's powerful. It, yeah, because think about this. Do you know you can decide what you're hungry for? Why well, just don't feel that hungry for God? But I want to be hungry for God. Wait, that sounds like I'm hungry for God. The minute I say I want to be hungry, I am. Because that itself is a desire in his direction. You can choose this. You know what? Here's the thing. If you don't believe me, if you couldn't choose your hunger or your thirst, why would there be a blessing connected to hungering and thirsting for righteousness? If I can't choose it, why would God bless me for it? There is a blessing for hungering and thirsting after God. Which means... I can choose it. Powerful. Connecting with your first love, often, do you understand, often emotions follow. And then when love is in full bloom, it's, it's passion, it's a whirlwind of love, but it's also obedience, but everything's flowing at once. But sometimes when we're feeling a little cold or having a down day, what we choose, it's like, you know, you get up and you choose to begin to step in a direction. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, in our natural world, like you get up and you don't feel like going to work, but you do it. 
right? I'm saying inside you want to, but something else, your bed is telling you you don't want to. Your covers are telling you you don't want to. Maybe you're a little sore because you worked out yesterday or whatever. I wish I, I want to stay here longer, but I have a mission, so I don't. I get up. I don't let my feelings tell me what to do. And what happens? You're feeling pretty good before long. And it's a really natural picture of the way this affection works. Jesus said, if you've lost your first love, do what you used to do. I just have great news. Like if, When it comes to first love worship, and, and you're saying, but I want more, or there was a time that I felt more alive in my worship to God, Jesus has an amazing solution for that. It's kind of like push start the car. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you've got an automatic, you've got a stick shift, you're like, now it should work where I get in, put the key in, fire it up. Boom. We're going. We're firing. We're going down the road. Right? But sometimes if the heart gets cold and weighed down by worries of the world, cares of light, and things like that, the Lord says, okay, the key's not working. Put it in first and pop the clutch. Like, just get moving in the direction that you used to move when you were living in your first love, and pretty soon you'll find, boom, everything's running again. It works, I'm telling you, it's powerful. What would I do right now? You come in here on a Sunday morning. What would I do right now if I just felt on top of the world in love with the Lord? I'm going to do that right now. But that's fake. You're not feeling it. No, it's real. Because what real is, is faithfulness. Consistency. You can count on it. The Lord's like, it's real. Besides the fact, no one can take away your identity. You're a worshiper. Emotions. Now, I love when love is alive and the emotions are high and we, we aim those at God. But you know we don't often understand? That when I feel broken, when I feel discouraged, when I feel attacked, when I feel down, and I come to God in that state, that is worship. Maybe it's not been a conscious thought. You ever thought that, though? Like, I need to get happy before I praise God. Anybody ever thought that? But do you realize, like, God, God you know what, God, He doesn't enjoy my, my, my bummer, my Eeyore cloud, you know, that's over me right now. You know, and, but you know what the reality is? God doesn't say, don't, the Lord doesn't say, bring me your happy emotions. He says, bring yourself to me. Come to me. Come. Let's reason together. And so, actually, when I come to God and I go, like in seasons of, of heartache even, when you come to God with your heartache and you go, you go, oh, God, my heart aches. But you are good. You are good. You are so good. You are so faithful. You are so faithful. Even in the heartache, Oh, I tell you, I think that worship is actually some of the most beautiful. That broken. I'm not saying that's how God wants us to live. I just mean we all have opportunities to come to Him in life in that way. Souls are for lifting. Jesus desires true worshipers. Do you know that music comes out of the soul? 
Do you realize that? Music is soulish. What makes music spiritual is what it is aimed at. So the spirituality of of music and song is actually, uh, how do I say, um, determined by the soul that either creates it or releases it. So you have a soul. You have creativity. You have passion inside of you. You realize you can aim that. And so what I do with my soul determines whether my life is carnal, earthly, demonic, or spirit and truth, heavenly. Isn't that powerful? It's the same capacity. It just depends where I aim it. And I get to choose that. I get to choose that. And when I live my life just looking to Him, that is so pleasing to him. In other words, worship, a, lot, a, a large part of worship is beholding God. Do you know what behold means? Powerful English word. It's an old, old English word. Uh, it's from, uh, the first part is by, which means, um, it, it means not dual, not that kind of like, uh, not bi-weekly, but it's, a, it's another root, and it actually means uh, thoroughly. Behold, okay? Thoroughly. The second word in the Old English is halden, which means to hold. You know, obviously, we think like, well, just look. No, like the word behold is what we're invited to do with God. And it means to thoroughly hold. With all the faculties of your mind, with all of your emotions, with all of your focus, that you look to Him. And when we do that, what happens? The throne of God is established among us. And He comes. And, and next thing you know, we're in the manifest presence of God. Through worship. Would you stand with me? What a minister. You know, here's, here's the point. You have something to give to God that no one else can give us. <laughs> now get this. You, yourself, your soul, yourself, you have something that if you don't give it, if I don't give this to Him, He will never have it. Never. For all eternity. If I don't give this to Him, no one else can give it. Isn't that powerful? That God, you and we come in and go, they're all worshiping. God doesn't need my voice too. Oh man, He knows. He goes, you got a sound in this orchestra that I crave and desire that no one else can sing. No one can sing your part. No one can sing your part. You've got something to give that no one else can give God. You know, we're hosting Him in these days. 
We're hosting Him. And you know, it is so simple. It really is so simple. I think when something's complicated, you probably got religion. But the gospel is simple. God, He is He is deep and powerful and profound, but the way is simple. And 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 it is this: we offer ourselves to Him. And I just believe that God has taken us to new levels individually and corporately, just taking us deeper into our personal worship and our personal enjoyment of who He is, as well as our corporate worship here when we gather. And you know, when we do that, it shakes the atmosphere. It shakes the atmosphere throughout Trinity County. All right. Well, Father, we just thank you for today. God, I thank you for the seeds of your word that it never returns void. I thank you that it isn't about just what we remember, but that the word has gone out, that it is germinating. And I just declare, you know what's going to happen even this week? Some of you are going to be going about and revelation about the worship and, and your fragrance to God is just going to spring up inside of you. And you're going to, where'd that come from? You know, that's what happens when the seed of the Word is planted. And so, God, we just thank you for that. And this morning, I just want to give a quick call. Where's, uh, ministry team, would you come? If you're here, you don't know the Lord, um, and you're away from God, and you're like, you know what? I don't even really know what that means, but when you say it, I know it's me. I'm away from Jesus. I don't know Him. I'm not following Him. If that's you, the Father is saying, come home. I love you. Come home. If that's you and you want to come home into the kingdom today and follow the Lord and know Him personally and be born again, why don't you just raise your hand. Raise your hand right where you're at. Like, I need a fresh touch from God today. Hmm. God bless you, sir. I see, I, I see that hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's, let's rejoice this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Your life's about to change. Yay, God. Oh, I hate. God bless you. If you want to receive uh, ministry this morning, you want to be prayed for, please come up and, um, and, uh, and, and don't go out of here without getting prayed for. God bless you. Have a great day.